Welcome along to Scoreline Extra, the podcast that gives you some of the interviews that we conducted on Scoreline this week and on KCLR. Scoreline is 2 to 6 every Saturday and Sunday and we had an absolute jam-packed week of sports. First of all, we're going to deal with the post-match reaction from the two managers for the Kilkenny-Dublin game. Yes, Kilkenny have claimed their 17th Leinster title under Brian Cody. Here's Brian Cody, followed by Matty Kenny. Well, it's another win. That's that's what we wanted to achieve, uh, Nicky. Obviously, it was a huge battle. You know, it took us a long, long time to kind of get into position where we were even a small bit, I suppose, comfortable. Which we never were. We never were never comfortable, really. But um, you know, huge, strong challenge from from Dublin, definitely. But like our lads, we just kept working away, and I suppose we kept tapping points at important times, and, and eventually we got there. And yeah, it was very early stages. We got the first few points, probably all right. Like you know, you know TJ got a wonderful point started off. And between Dublin just came back into the game as they were bound to do, and they worked their way into the game. And you know, it was, it was a fierce battle there, you know, for, for the majority of the game. But you know, we finished strongly, and you know, the work rate was was strong all through the field, and that you know, and it had to be. No, I mean we created good goals for chances the last day. We didn't create as many today, but that's that's hurling. That's the way it goes. You know, and Dublin defensively were very, very strong, even though there were short, some very, very good players there as well, you know. So, look at you, every game takes on its own sort of a, a kind of a, a way it happens, and today, that's the way today's match went. Oh, well, he injured his hamstring slightly the last day, very, very slightly, and he's, he injured it again tonight, and um, it's probably going to be a few weeks, that's a Talking of hamstrings, I suppose the loss of Owen O'Donnell to Dublin was, was, was tough on them given that he came into the game suspect and it just didn't work out for him. No doubt no, about that, you're talking about a top player there, you know, and obviously Keno Callaghan was missing as well from the full back line, so that put him. But I mean, the players that came in looked as if they'd been playing for, for years, you know, they were very, very strong throughout the field. So that's, that's the way it went, yeah, but Owen O'Donnell is a top player. Uh, yeah, it was, there was excitement and there was good noise there, like for sure, you know, and um, it certainly obviously adds to the occasion because that's what. Um, that's what it would always have been like, you know. In terms of the the, the All Ireland semi final now, Brian, uh, I should look at I mean, first of all, we're delighted to be Leinster champions, and we're also delighted, obviously, gets us into the All Ireland semi final. Three weeks to go to that, you know, there's some very, very good games going to come up in the meantime, and we find out exactly what the, what the opposition is going to be. But we're talking about um, a step up in everything now from now on because what's going to come out for us against to, to play against the All Ireland semi final is going to be. It's going to be a huge challenge, but look at that's where we wanted to be, and, and, and we're there now. Yeah, no, look, we have it. We, I mean, I would always think we have a very strong panel that we have, you know, and um, the players who come in did very, very well, and you know, it's going to really open up now for the next few weeks in training, and that competition for place is going to be serious. Brian, uh, Dublin's uh, COVID situation today, like obviously, it's very important, but a bit of a warning for every team, including yourselves, of what could go wrong. Uh, there's no doubt about that, you know, I mean, COVID is. It's just not only is it not gone away, but it's rearing its ugly head again in a big way, you know. And all everybody obviously is going to have to be really, really careful. But I mean, anyone who wants to continue playing sport, you know, I mean, to see Dublin were disadvantaged today, there's no doubt about that to lose players. And that's just the reality is it's there for everybody, and we're just going to have to be absolutely, totally vigilant. Is it making it more difficult for you can't stay in that bubble? Like, you know, when you talk about like professional rugby teams or whatever, they have an opportunity to stay in camp and stay in a bubble, whereas your lads. They're working five days a week, so it makes it more difficult for you guys to be able to kind of track players' movements every single second of the day. Absolutely, I mean that creates obviously a serious. It's not just, I mean, uh, 
you can be very unlucky and, 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 and get a virus, but it's a close contact situation that really can cripple, can cripple a team or, or whatever it is. And that's just, you know, the responsibilities on everybody concerned, just to be totally vigilant and you can still be in hard luck. So, you know, hopefully over the next few weeks that it'll go well for, for all teams, like, you know, because it would be, um, it's so, so important to be able to continue on playing the sport. Having some come so far for it to fall apart now would be just, just really shocking. Uh, to, be, to be a huge disappointment for everybody. I mean, I mean, good. I mean, what's, what's there is so, so serious, you know. And then, obviously, we're getting to the stage where we were getting closer to the, to, to the end game, if you like, and now it's just attacking us again, you know. And, I mean, there's a huge responsibility on everybody just to be, just to be very, very careful. Yeah, well, obviously, like, I mean, the, the club situation hasn't kicked in yet from a championship point of view. There's matches going ahead, but not championship matches. Um, I look, I mean, the players are very, very responsible and very, very mature about it and very, very conscious of the dangers of it. And, you know, you can do absolutely everything absolutely really, really well, and you can still be in hard luck, you know, but that's, that's hopefully that situation is not going to, it's not going to hit teams. Brian, I suppose um, this win obviously been very bad in the Leicester Championship, but, you know, you're, you guys are well used to winning it at this point. Is it almost more valuable to avoid the qualifiers, given the, the, some of the calibre of the team? I think everybody wants to go straight through, like, you know, everybody, first of all, everybody wants to win the provincial championship. I mean, we wanted to win the Leinster championship. Every team will compete in it wanted to win it. Same with Munster. I mean, the Munster final tomorrow, you'll see the, the desire in both teams to win the game. And obviously it is, it is um, a great prize as well to get into the other in semi-final because the, Dublin goes to a quarter-final now and there's going to be obviously a big challenge, but they're going to pose a big challenge to whoever's going to come out of it as well. But look, yeah, we're very happy to be there. Yeah, look, it, it was um, it was disappointing, I suppose. You know, coming, coming, coming this morning, um, it's something you know you'd like to maybe if it's going to happen, get a little earlier in the leagues, air sorry, earlier in the week, so we could uh, uh, deal a deal a little more. But look, at, we talked to the squad through a text this morning, and um, we said we had to put it at the back of our mind, you know. I talked in fairness, I talked all year about building a squad during the league. So it was an opportunity for the guys to, to, to come into the into the panel of twenty six and come on the team. And look at in that first half, uh, Kilkenny started very well and but we came to terms with it and uh, I, I think the, the first half is very, very competitive and um, you know, we asked the guys to go out there and uh, to you know to be brave and uh, to, to you know to to compete and take the game to the opposition, and they did that. And uh, look at as, as the second half wore on, there's no no argument that Kilkenny were the better team, and they finished the stronger. Look, at, we're proud of our guys. We're very very proud of uh, the way they competed, and uh, you know we picked up two significant injuries. We lost Don after the first minute, and then Marshude. So there were little knocks knocks we took along the way. Look at you know um, as I said uh, earlier, uh, the Leinster Championship. Uh, competition uh, finished for us today. Uh, Kilkenny were worthy, worthy winners of it again. Uh, but uh, you know we're, we're now entering the All Ireland series, and uh, we have a uh, quarter final to prepare for in two weeks' time. And we've got to dust ourselves down and uh, go back and then get prepared for that and uh, come back in two weeks' time stronger than we were today. Because uh, Ronan's having a great season, and 
you know, um, you know, March today and, and, and running up there, it'd been a, a double target. I mean, we could have worked off, one uh, worked off the other. But look at that sport, do you mean, like, you know, nothing, you know, were we disappointed uh, this morning? Yes, we were. Uh, is, it, is it an excuse? No, it's not. Like, you know, uh, the lads that came in, I, I, I thought they did really, really well. And look at fair play to Bikini in the last 20 minutes, they, they finished the stronger. Having said that, you know, we hit 17 points today. So um, our execution wasn't at the, the level that we'd like it to be at. I think uh, Kilkenny had either six or seven wide. So that was an area too that, uh, you know, that, uh, you know, that worked a little bit against us and something we have to work on. Yeah, I, I thought the first half was very even. Um, uh, but I, I, uh, to be honest, I think as the game was worn on, you know, I, I became as in waves. And uh, look at, you know, I was impressed with Kilkenny last year. I was impressed with them in the league this year. Uh, watched them against Wexford last week or two weeks ago. I thought they did very well. And look, I, I think Kilkenny is uh, as a team is 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 is, is they're developing a fine side. And I think like you know, uh, look, they were well well worthy uh, winners today. And uh, I, I think um, under Brian, they're, they're they're building a fine side again. And uh, I think they're a match for anyone in Ireland at the moment. Just in relation to the COVID again, like we know how serious it is in the country again. Unfortunately, we were the victims of it today. But in an amateur sportsman environment, it's, it's going to be very, very difficult to to prevent it from, from happening again. Yeah, look, look I, I, th I think we all have to be conscious of that. Thing. This 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 variant is uh, this Delta variant is 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 is, uh, is hitting that kind of 15 to 30 year, 30 year old age group, like you know. So I think for 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 our club teams and county teams, like I think I think. I think we're in more danger than we were at any time in the last 18 months, like, you know, because uh, this, uh, this is so widespread in, in, the, in that younger population and uh, nobody's vaccinated in that population. So look at, I think we all just got to double down, like, you know, and, uh, and, and we have been doing that, like, because like, it's all inter-county teams are kind of operating their own bubble. And uh, this came a little bit of left field over in the last, last, last few days and, and, you know, having them close contacts this morning. So but look at, we just got to, you know, it's, we understand that the, the importance of, and uh, the seriousness of it, like you know. So we just got to go back and get our own protocols and get our own bubble. You know, say, you know, uh, double down on that. And uh, look, it, 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 it cautious today, but we got to make sure that it's not an issue for us in two weeks' time. The four guys that were affected today, how long are you going to be without them now? Yeah. So look at the, you know, I, I they, have, they have to get tested. And I think you know, once test negative and test negative again, I think in ten days' time. So I think if you get another negative test after 10 days, that's my understanding, I like, you know, probably need clarification that. But look, at, I, I, you know, that, that should be, we hope to get them back um, you know, early of the week of the match. Like, but look, at, with the time for our team doctor and, uh, and our medical guys, it, you know, it, it wasn't a question I was asking this morning because we had uh, more pressing things to look at. But look, at, uh, later tonight and tomorrow, we'll, 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 we'll get uh, the full details around that. And how, how much of the panel are vaccinated? I'd say, um, I'd say, John, I'd imagine very, very few. Um, I, you know, I, I was talking to our, our guys uh, two weeks ago, and, or whenever the government said that, you know, that, that, that the uh, vaccinations were there for, for, for in the pharmacies. So I asked guys you know, to, to look for that. But look at, again, look at, I haven't got enough detail around that, but it's, I, I believe like, you know, the pharmacies haven't got the, the vaccinations at the moment. Like, you know, so I'd, I'd love, like, you know, early next week, some of our guys could get that. Like, we're looking at, you know, you know, 
they're, they're the same right as, as and no, no, no more right than any, anybody else in, in the population. So they just got to wait their turn. But you know, to answer your question, I said very, very few of the guys have been vaccinated, if any. No, look, at, I think uh, I think Crow Park has made, made it very, very clear, you know, that uh, you know, you know, that uh, these games have to go ahead, you know, and uh, you know, it wasn't even something we considered, but you know, you know, there was an opportunity there, Shane, for for other guys to step, you know, to call call four guys into the panel this morning, and the, and and those other guys step into the team, and I suppose that's what our squads are for, like. Is it unfortunate? Is it disappointing? Yes, it is. Like, but look, the show has to go on, and we ask our guys to go out there, you know, to, to be brave and you know to to, to you know to attack Kilkenny, take the game to the opposition. And look, they did that for for, for long periods, and uh, we just fell off them in the in the last quarter. Look, we're proud of the guys. As I say, we'll regroup again now. We have like there's, uh, there's six teams left in the competition now, you know, uh, and uh, we're one in six. So we got to get ready for that quarter final give a really really good account of ourselves there and I tell you these guys I guarantee you these guys will bounce back from this now and uh, you know we'll, we'll, we'll come back strong in two weeks time Kilkenny were also successful in the Camogie side of things as they defeated Clare here's manager Brian Dowling followed by Denise Gall Brian Dowling, first round of the Senior All-Ireland Championship over, six-point victory over Clare. Doesn't re- scoreline doesn't really reflect it. It was a tough game overall, but a win under the belt nonetheless. Yeah, look, I suppose we're, we came down here just to get the, the two points on the board, and you know we did that, 22 points, I suppose. We wouldn't be happy with every per- a bit of our performance, but look, the attitude of the girls is fantastic. We had a, a tough 24 hours there, um, you know, with COVID-related issues, and that's you know the world we live in, unfortunately, at the moment. So we had to make three changes before throwing, just literally just be an hour before throwing. So you know, it's very frustrating. You're, you're getting your team organised, and you had plans made out, and, and it's all just thrown up in smoke. But look, the character of these girls, you know, I've said it since I've got this job, it's just unbelievable, you know. Um, Emma Cavan, uh, Steph Fitzgerald and Laura Murphy weren't due to start and you know the three of them came in and had super games and that's what it's about you know now the other girls are fighting for the places back and you know it's the girls come on each Pendergast come on got a great score you know and again that's what it's all about it's, it's the panel and you know we, I know we keep saying it but that's really what it's about A lot of overall positives as well 22 points on the board is fantastic could have had two goals Michaela was unlucky with the chance that she had Katie Nolans I still don't understand why he didn't give us the extra few seconds it was a fantastic goal as well but I suppose from your point of view more important to get game time into the girls that's also returning from injury as well Yeah look it is I suppose look you'd always like to get a couple of goals I think even in both halves I think if we had to get a goal probably would have put the game to bed you know we kind of left Claire hanging but in fairness we were kind of probably 7-8 points up all the time it wasn't back to 2 or 3 you know but luckily Claire didn't get a goal or 2 suppose as well looks nice keep a clean sheet we'd, all, we'd love to get a couple of goals as well um, but I said 22 points is a good score in Camogie so look we're happy with that and look again you said getting legs into the girls Katie Power got 25 minutes um, I suppose if you said that to me two weeks ago there was no hope um, you know Katie's just having uh, just poor hardship with her knee and look she, she got something done with it there recently so we're hoping now she's going to turn a corner because you know we need Katie Power on the pitch she's a, she's a class player and you know players like Katie Power don't grow on trees and you see the difference there she came on she's got two points and you know a crew 
crucial times, which was great. Yeah, definitely. All the players had a fantastic game. You said that McAvener wasn't due to start, but by God, she kept the clean sheet here for us today. Three fantastic saves, and especially that last one there from Emer Kelly as well. Yeah, I look, Emma is super. Like you know, our job is really hard. We have to pick between Eva and Emma Kavanagh. But look, I said to Emma before the match, you know, um, my job is easy there today to, to say Emma was standing in. You know, I wasn't panicking about her sub goalkeeper. I had no fear in Emma. You know, Emma's just so unlucky. Um, you know, last year she probably lost out to Eva, and Eva done so well. Um, you know, and Eva done well this year again. So Emma just, you know, like even Aris got man a player of the game in the in the league final. You know, and that's the standards. But them two girls, you know, they're a train an hour, an hour and a half every night pushing each other on. You know, and. You know, when I told Emma Cavanagh that, you know, Ethan Norris isn't going to be available, the first thing he said to him, I'll send her a text, you know. And that, you know, you can't beat that, you know. That's, you know, they're, they're pushing each other on, but there's huge respect between the two girls as well. Yeah, but it also shows the camaraderie and the togetherness, I suppose, that what you've instilled in this group of girls, which you can see on the field. And that showed as well, especially when you went down to the 14. Now, we in the commentary box didn't see Claire Fielding got a yellow card seemingly in the first half that we didn't see. But the girls showed their character going down to 14 to push on and still win the game. Yeah, I didn't see it myself. Um, look, as we, we probably didn't play as well when we went to 14 maybe something we can work on and uh, look it's always disappointing to lose a player I didn't think it was a red card two yellow cards I suppose but I don't know look it is what it is and uh, we'll get on with it and look as I said we've, uh, we've a lot of work to do you know but it's, it's a great position to be in when, once we win your first game the group it sets you up nice you know going up to Westmead next week if we lost today you know it really put, uh, put us in a bad place and uh, I suppose during the week it was looking like or you know in the last 24 hours it looked like everything was against us so look you know we've collected armour to come back into it as well she got pins over Tom yesterday so you know she'll be huge plus she's an experienced player and look we, we want our panel to get a bit stronger but look fair juice to the girls that stepped up today and you know Steffi Fitzgerald starting her first ever senior game you know and she, as the game went on she got better and better which is great Yeah you could see that especially when she got that point as well the confidence became more and more with her I suppose all this is a stepping stone you're taking a game for game but the aim I suppose for your point of view for the two games even though you don't look ahead really is Galway to get the two wins under the belt and then have a go at Galway then in the third round Yeah like, I, I, like I'm honestly like to be honest, it's we were just looking clear, you know. We didn't, we, we couldn't look at look past clear, you know, because that's taken right off the ball. And you do literally in this group of games every week, you have to take it game by game. And we knew we won down here and we get to win next Saturday, next Saturday against Westmead. We're in all Ireland quarter final, no matter what, you know, even if you beat Galway, you could still be in all Ireland quarter final. Look, we worry about Galway the week, before, the week before, you know, this was all about clear, you know. Clare came up to Nolan Park last year and beat us in the league, you know. We played them in a couple of challenge games last year, and you know, we knew the talent to have, you know, Emer Kelly, Chloe Moore there, and a few more. You know, and Evo D, excellent players, you know, to be on any county team in the country. So we knew what we were facing. And, you know, it's the first game as well. And when you're away from home, it's all a bit more difficult. So just delighted now to, to go home with two points, in, two points in the bag. And the COVID issues aside as well, I mean, we're standing out here in the middle of Six Mile Bridge at the minute. The sun is beating down on top of us. It was a hard day for the girls as well, especially in this weather. I suppose the important thing was to keep them hydrated and make sure that we got out with very little injuries as well. Yeah, I know. I suppose we give out with the wind and rain, and you know, but today was complete opposite. Uh, Jesus was hardly even standing on the sideline. Even you know, today we we met in, in, in Cratlow, you know, and we tried to get the girls into shade outside, and uh, you know, it was very tough. You know, it's tough to stay out of the sun, and it's just it drains our energy, you know, and that's why we try to get a few fresh legs in near the end because the girls are out in their feet and that happens in games like this you know and I suppose that, that's what it is you know, we're not too used to it in Ireland I suppose it's more like hurling in America there today so look we're, we're just we're just delighted that you know it is it's a big 60 minutes and you know I think this game will really stand to us going forward you know there's no point I suppose we win in handy here we didn't get a test we got a big test today and we knew we would and you know as usual these girls stand up and hopefully now we'll just keep improving the next couple of weeks Yeah Westmead now next weekend I know Galway was beating them as well but you won't take Westmead for granted especially what they've done to Limerick last week so 
in the West Meath now next weekend and then take it from there. Yeah, look again, you just can't take anything for granted, you know, that's it's one step at a time, you know, two points on the board. West Meath now is basically a, a chance to win that and win the quarter final, you know. So look, these girls will take a few days to recover now after that and there'll be stiff bodies and, and tiredness there. But look, we'll go again Tuesday night and prepare for West Mead and you know we'll give another rattle then. Yeah, well great win today against Clare. Always good to get the first win under the belt and best of luck to next weekend. Okay, thanks lads. Denise Gall, it was hot and I talking to Brian out there. You must be absolutely exhausted. Good win against Clare, but that heat is absolutely stifling out there. What's it like to play under it? Yeah, good win, but Jesus, the heat makes it very hard, I suppose. But um, yeah, wasn't wasn't too enjoyable today. I think with the sun, you'd be loving it. But yeah, it was very hot, I suppose. And look, we kind of had to dig it out towards the end, the last five minutes. The, the legs were a bit gone, but <laughs> sure luck, we lived to fight another day on it. Well, Brian was saying that it was energy draining, but by God, it wasn't too energy draining on yourself. Ten points overall in that game out there today. You must be happy enough with your own performance, but overall getting the two points or the three points and the win against Clare was your first priority. Yeah, sure luck, once you come away from down here with the win and the three points is the main thing. Um, everyone put in savage work, right? And look, I just popped over the freeze and sure luck, it kind of came from everyone else. So a good, good performance all around but plenty of things to build on all the same. Yeah, as you said, with clear feeling getting sent off, which we didn't even see the first yellow card, to be honest with you, in the first half, was tough enough, but the team showed character and kept fighting away, and you really showed that there towards the end, and drawn out, or drowned out the, the win, I suppose, when Clare was coming on the attack. Yeah, look, I suppose the backs kind of defended on real there towards the end and they kept them out. Um, Cav was unbelievable in the goal, pulled off a number of good saves and, um, yeah, look, it's just tough, tough day. <laughs> well, I know you're exhausted. The heat is baiting down us. Go get yourself a nice cool drink and best of luck next <laughs> weekend against West Thanks, thanks, Keeping with things all GAA, Eddie Houlihan joined us from Dixborough. And after that, then, we also talked to Tom Carroll from Liz Downey. Uh, yes, indeed. Um, traditionally, uh, the, the day-to-day workings have been uh, organised by the GAA club and, and the Camogie club and has been very, very well, going very well over the years. And um, we decided... Uh, to look up the uh, one club strategy, which uh, was developed back in 2017 by GA headquarters between the Ladies Gaelic Football Association, the Camogie Association, and the GA. And um, over the last, I suppose, year and a half with COVID and everything, or maybe more, uh, we've been discussing it and planning it and seeing how it might work. And uh, culminated in last Monday night, um, two EGMs uh, you have to have separate EGM for the GA and Camogie, and both EGMs uh, approved the uh, formation of a one club. On a day-to-day basis, it probably won't appear any different. They'll still have uh, girls and boys playing and access to facilities and all that sort of thing, but more at uh, executive committee level, you're going to have uh, uh, more coming together with representatives from the Camogie Camogie Club uh, joining the existing uh, hurling uh, executive to form a new executive and uh, looking forward to the way, the, the way forward. 
Yeah, we're and, seeing amalgamations uh, like this happening. We know that in the GPA, say, when they amalgamated last December and they brought in their new co-chairs, Matthew O'Hanlon from Wexford and Maria Kinsler, Carlo footballer as well. So you're kind of seeing this happen slowly. Um, there seems to be overwhelming support, particularly at your EGM. You've got, I, I think it was 99% in favour of the mer- merger, which is crucial as it means the club is on the same wavelength. There's no real internal division. No, no, there's not, uh, and and it was almost, as you say, ninety nine percent in favour of it. And um, well, you see, we we're years working together and day to day, and the Camogie, while they're you know probably a little bit newer in existence than the hurling side of things, um, we've always worked extremely well. And there's huge crossovers with parents and you know boys and girls in the same family and and whatever, and it made a great deal of sense. And uh, you know, and we're got to a stage now like that we're very large, and you know we're heading towards a thousand joint membership uh, playing and non-playing, and uh, you know we need a joint effort, uh, combined effort uh, going forward to, for our various plans and with developments plan for the western environs and uh, all Loch Macask area all around us. Uh, the city is moving very much out towards us, so uh, we have to be ready. Yeah, certainly do. Um, you mentioned 2017. Um, has this been in the pipeline since then, maybe the past four years, or is this something that the the pandemic has kind of brought upon and had you all time to kind of sit around with no games going on and have a discussion? <laughs> no, the, the, um, the guidelines were drawn up back in 2017. There's national guidelines uh, available to anyone that wants to look them up. Uh, and um, we used that as a framework. And it's probably two years ago, like Noreen Feeling was chairperson of the Camogie at that stage, and now Catherine Peters, and uh, we've had you know four representatives from each, each grouping discussing various aspects of it. You know the guidelines are very structured, and as you might imagine, very rigid in in, in how the, how you go forward, and uh, just putting our spin on those. And it has probably probably would have happened six eight months ago, except that. We were sort of zoomed out and not seeing one another and meeting <laughs> one another. And, you know, that it's a sort of a thing that you can't really do that well over Zoom, although we had quite a few Zoom meetings on it. Um, but, um, no, it's probably two years in discussions. Uh, yeah, AGM 2018 probably would have been the first mention of it. And, you know, it slowly took off from there. And um, it's in existence now. And, our first uh, first executive meeting will be in middle of August uh, with the new structure in place and uh, onwards and upwards from there. And considering the overwhelming support in your club, would you expect more clubs to follow suit? Well, the, the, that's the interesting thing. When we started talking to clubs or, uh, around the place, um, we found that the, you know the day-to-day working relationship is extremely good. It's just that they haven't sort of formalised uh, it into, you know, like having a, a one committee running the, the whole thing uh, so like maybe more than, more than will now some of the older clubs is a big club in Dublin that you would be very familiar with Valley Bowden St. Endless they're the one club for 30 years but not under this sort of format but uh, they they have a, a hierarchical structure where there's a um, an overhead uh, committee and then falling out of that the hurling football camogie etc ladies football uh, subcommittees and all the way down so it's quite familiar so you know lots of the clubs like any of the you know camogie and, and hurling in Kilkenny 
uh, coexist extremely, extremely well and, you know, sharing facilities as best they can and, and, and whatever. It's, it's just that maybe the final piece of the structure ha- probably hasn't maybe crossed our minds in some cases uh, and just might happen now. We're the first to do it, so, you know, we'll... Um, We'll see how it goes, and I'm sure there'll be, there'll be no problem because, like, as I said, day to day we're hand in glove with them all the time, like, you know. Yeah, and uh, mentioning day to day, how's the club been doing since the return to juvenile action in May? Has there been a surge in new members? You're mentioning nearly reaching a thousand there at all levels, or has there been a drop off maybe due to long layoff? Because that was a huge concern, especially in, in terms of youths just kind of uh, maybe losing interest after missing out on such a, a huge part of their development. Um, well, everyone, of course, obviously is delighted to be back. And at the juvenile level, the numbers are, are continue to rise. But where we've seen um, a significant increase is at adult level. Like this year, we're fielding five adult teams outside of under twenties or minors, uh, and a lot of that has arisen from uh, guys coming up out of uh, minor and um, staying with it, staying with the game. And uh, and obviously maybe with COVID not going away, say it's J1 and all this sort of thing over the years. And um, that's where, you know, lots of clubs, like today, it's the third Listowney team we're we're playing here today. Like, you know, so Listowney are are comfortably feeling uh, three teams, as are lots of clubs around the county. So I'd say all the clubs have seen um, an increase in numbers at adult level. And uh, speaking of the pandemic, then there's been, we know it's say on the Carlos side of things, they had the Barrow side challenge because obviously people weren't coming through the gates or the turnstiles and they needed to keep money in the Carlo GEM with the clubs and other clubs have taken upon themselves to do different things during the pandemic. You yourselves, you have your golf classic coming up on Friday. How important are events like that to keep a club running, particularly after a year in which it's been very difficult for GEA clubs across the country to raise funds? Yeah, um, well... Uh, the golf classic is probably in the, we were the very one of the few. We started the golf classic uh, when the last uh, economic downturn came, and and it's still going uh, from strength to strength. Uh, it, it is hugely important. Uh, also, our lotto and our lotto people uh, adapted well to playing online as well as the traditional paper system. So that that, that is keeping us alive uh, financially. And um, you know, uh, any time. Uh, we, uh, you know, developed we had a development draw at the back end of last year, back end of 2020, uh, in the depths of uh, lockdown, and it was hugely supportive and hugely successful. So, you know, people are, you know, people fully realise that clubs need money, and they're putting their hands in their pocket and uh, and supporting us. Yeah, it's great to see. Uh, speaking of supporting, I'm sure you were supporting your own club man, Killian Buckley. He came on, uh, added to what increasingly looked like an insurmountable uh, Kilkenny lead. I suppose Dublin's refusal to change their si- style maybe allowed Kilkenny to space and time to find a man. But uh, yeah, it was, uh, it was great to see the 18,000 in, in attendance. Were you one of them yourselves? I, I was indeed. We were uh, uh, down between the 14 and 21 in the lower Cusick. In the sunshine Lovely. Uh, yesterday evening, um, and uh, it was great to see they are there for the semi-final now, and having the extra ten thousand there yesterday uh, made a lot of difference. Um, but uh, uh, you know, it's great to see Killian back, and all all of them they played well. Dublin, I suppose, were a bit unfortunate to lose the four players before the start to probably put a shadow over their start, but uh, still, we'll, we'll 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 take it and look forward to the next day. Uh, it, it, it's huge, I suppose, um, especially after last year when we 
we had a gap year and you know things like that uh, you, you wonder will you be able to get him going again and uh, you know I suppose uh, 40 years was it was it was a big milestone for, for for a while back and we hadn't reached that and you know we were hoping to get at least to that like very few I'd say tournaments in the whole country have gone for 40 years so it's um, you know so it's it's great that we we, we we were able to get it back this year uh, in a current, in a curtailed manner, we'd have to say, but uh, but at least it uh, it keeps it going. And for many, the first thing they think of when someone may might mention Liz Downey is is the Liz Downey Sevens. Why do you think it has such a spot, strong reputation all over the county? Yeah, well, just um, you know, Kilkenny played yesterday in 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 Crow, in Crow Park in the Leinster final. Twenty players played, and I would say, I'd safely say. All twenty of those players have played in the Downey Seven. <laughs> so um, you, you know, and and it's when they were thirteen years of age, they weren't big guys. They were, but 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 they obviously had potential that time. But this was something that was um, it was a game seven aside, and and they could really show their skills. And I suppose it, it gave them the the motivation then to to move on to much bigger and better things later on. And you know, they all know. I mean, I remember talking to Liam Smith and Kieran's one time, and he 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 us off about uh, Liz Downey, like you know, where the hell is Liz Downey? You know. A bit like um, it's a bit like Tierman Oak. Everyone has heard of it, but no one really knows where it is. But all those players, I'd say, all those twenty players, if you ask them to a man, they know where Liz Downey is. Certainly do, certainly do. We were talking to Owen Houlihan. He knows where Liz Downey was in regards to Dixborough taking on Liz Downey today. Um, we'll give a report on that game, but we'll keep with the Liz Downey Sevens for now okay. because it's been hosted on a reduced scale this year with 16 right. teams from the north of the county. Was that something that you had to think about for a while or was it just a natural decision to come to? It was, and, and, and it was because of the curtailed season, I suppose, and weekends are very uh, very few, I suppose, and, and, and the 13s uh, in, in the round championships uh, are playing around that time and uh, we traditionally needed three weekends. So so we, we, we're going with 16 teams this year, which allows us to complete it on a weekend on a Saturday and Sunday basis. So I suppose that was the, the real motivation. The unfortunate thing was 16 teams uh, were going to miss out all our all our foreign visitors from other counties. Uh, <laughs> and, and also, we had to try and keep it simple. There was, uh, there was roughly 16 of our near neighbours in the north. So unfortunately, all, the, all our southern uh, friends have missed out. And, and many of them have contacted us to see if there any way it could be facilitated. But... Um, but we said uh, definitely next year we'll revert back to the 32 if at all possible. And that, and that's a testament to how well the tournament is run. Like it is quite special because it harnesses skills for young players that they may not use in a normal game, doesn't it? No, exactly. It's uh, I suppose that, uh, from day one there was no solar runs allowed, and it, it, it meant you you had to use your head. You had you had to use all the other skills. And, and one player wouldn't dominate, and and as well the, the number of minutes aside you, you were playing, you you wouldn't last if if if, if, you, if you were the, the you know you needed a, it needed to be a team, and you, you needed to set yourself out. Of it. So it was the basic skills, but you were given a little bit of time on the ball, and and you could you could really uh, demonstrate those skills, like you know. And we we had a player of the tournament down through the years as well, and that was a big um, ambition of a lot of the players, 12, 13 years of age, to try and achieve that, like you know, and. Those names um, came true um, in most cases afterwards. And the club in itself now is in the process of raising funds for a defibrillator. And how's that been going? Because I know you're out doing your 5k walks every Tuesday to help with the fundraising. Yeah, no, I I, I was involved in the golf classic there over the weekend, but uh, I'm not as much involved in, in, in that. But yeah, no, no, that that's that's going well, and I'm sure, like all other clubs, I'm sure you need to have those facilities nowadays. Uh, 
So, so uh, you know, I, I'm sure there'll be no problem with that. We, uh, I, I suppose, we're looking at bigger, b- bigger developments with the with facilities as well. Back, back around 40 years ago, when this tournament started, it, 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 it corresponded with the opening of the new pitch and 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 facilities. And I suppose they do need a bit of a an, an uplift now. And I suppose that's what we're looking at now. Uh, uh, now that we've kind of maybe attained senior status, like for the first time in in a, a very long time. So I suppose, um, and, that, and that, I, I think the seventh hosting the seventh has helped us in no end that way. We ourselves won the seventh for the first time seven years ago, and and that's really the building block maybe for us moving forward. You know, up through the ranks now from junior intermediate now up to senior, uh, it certainly helped, and, and we were able to build a team around that. Like you know, it's a huge achievement for us, a small club. And I suppose that's one of the big attractions. I mean, we have very strong town teams. We have the likes of Ballyhale who are imperious. But but other clubs can compete with those when you're down to seven aside, and that's the beauty of it. Like, it certainly is. Now you mentioned the fundraising as well, and you mentioned the golf classic yesterday at Rathdowney Golf Club, and we know that the club lotto is going on. Like you do have aspirations, and as every club does, how's the fundraising been going in general? We were talking to Eddie Hulahan from Dixborough earlier. We were talking to Jim Bulger from Carlo GEA last week, just about different initiatives that club have to take on to, obviously make up for the loss of revenue over the past year but with an eye to yeah. the future how has that been going in general? Oh yeah and, and in fairness the county boards have been very good to us like you know on, on, on the expenditure side of things and you know any any grants that are, are, are possibly available yeah and and uh, but, but fundraising is, is a big thing and uh, especially if you want to get going on facilities but success on the hurling field has certainly helped and, and I mean I certainly found it a little bit easier even with the golf classic this year and found it easier a little bit when we needed to raise funds for just for the county final that last year now I suppose it's big big money we're looking at now and, and you don't want to be investing all your time in fundraising you really want to spend the time with the games and and, and uh and just administrating the club as opposed to fundraising, but uh, yeah, no, it is. And I mean, okay, we have a we have a long ways to go. Uh, most of the fundraising events up to now have been relatively small scale, like you know, just to keep the club going. Uh, but but we, you know, we're, our, our club is in a good position. We, um, we we're not in a huge debt or anyway like that. We you know we we we're doing okay. But I suppose to build facilities anymore, to upgrade facilities, it's expensive. Uh, so uh, you do really really need big fundraisers, and we're only at the start of that really. So I I can't really give you uh, you know. Um, uh, more, anything more positive than that like uh, it's all ahead of us basically I'd say and speaking of positivity obviously you were the KCLR Sports Club of the Year as well for 2020 and uh, the great intermediate game um, I, w- I was speaking to Willie <laughs> Fitzpatrick at the time I still regularly listen yeah. back to the commentary because um, yeah. it, it, it's just a good just it's great fun to, to to hear that coming through again and yeah. and in the manner in which it was won. But another success yeah. there today as well is Downey defeating Dixborough GEA three seventeen to two twelve in the JJ Cavanagh and Sons Junior E Hurling League County Final. Were you out of the game? Yeah. No, I was indeed. And, and I mean, we have three teams, and I know when we went with our third team a few years back, we were saying, "How will we feel the team?" We could honestly feel four teams this year, like, and it's, you know, we have over 60 lads uh, in our training at the moment, like, so, uh, you know, it's going from strength to strength, and we we, we had a ding-dong battle against Dixborough last year, and, and, and they beat us that time, so we kind of owed them one today, and I uh, know we're flying it there um, on, on, on the field, and, and I suppose last year, even though they won the, the senior, the intermediate match final, that was, um, that was a... Uh, um, 
uh, edge of the seat stuff. Uh, but we, we, we had a lot of success apart from that. I mean, we, we did very well in under 21 before that. We, we were in many finals. We won the junior A. So we, we had, uh, we, were, we were in about seven finals, I think, last year between Camogie and, and, and Hurling. So it was a very successful year. Whether COVID contributed to that, we don't know. But, uh, but certainly it was. And, and it's, we seem to be pushing on a little bit from there now, you know. And I suppose that the real target for you know the senior guys is is to try and stay up, like. But um, but that's the target we're we're, we're looking forward to. Yeah, we're looking forward to following the journey as well. And I have a bit of audio to play as out. But Tom, thanks very much for uh, no taking problem, the time Tom. today. Hopefully, you'll enjoy this anyway. Thanks now, Liam Dunphy be the hero. Or will Modi is taking it actually this time. The goalkeeper is yeah. taking it. Dermot Galway. Yeah. And he did go second as well in the first round of penalties. Well, uh, the, I don't know what the ref or the linesman is doing because, the, yeah, now he's going now, yeah. Yeah, it's the goalkeeper against goalkeeper. Who would have thought that a county final would come down to a penalty shootout? 4-3 to Liz Downey. Thomas Town have got the score. There's the shot. Liz Downey are the county champions. He saved the ball. Liz Downey have won the penalty shootout. 4-3. It's absolute heartbreak for Thomas Town. What a way to lose a match. It's a terrible way to lose a match, but Liz Downey have won the Intermediate Championship on penalties. Hopefully that put a smile on your face anyway. <laughs> Certainly it is. Thanks very much. <laughs> Moving on to soccer, James Carew from Pogue McGoal joined and had a very lively debate with myself in regards to England and the Euros. I was happy for them that England went far in the tournament because they were they're football people and that's what we had in common I think it's always it's always nice to be living in a place where the team goes far there's a, there's a buzz um, the buzz builds as the tournament goes on it was very much muted with the backdrop of the pandemic I have to say um, I fortunate enough to live in Germany when they won the World Cup um, so and I, I was here in the 2018 World Cup when England were going through the rounds as well so it, look, it was nice. It was nice to have a buzz um, and get swept up in it. Um, I didn't quite stretch to wanting them to win it, but I will say I, pro- I wouldn't have been too disappointed if England did win it. I know that mightn't go down too well with my friends at home, but look, that's what I feel. Well, we're going to have to get you back to Ireland now for our next World Cup or Euros campaign. You seem to have a bit of a, a bit of a lucky rabbit's foot about you, considering you're living in Germany for their 2014 win. Um, one thing I want to ask you about, because I wanted to bring up the whole Germany thing, um, and that you were you were working with the Bundesliga, you were living over in Germany. The the thing that got that gets me in regards to not liking England, and I've wrote an article entitled Dear England on scoreline.e and I've outlined it in some way, um, articulated in my head anyway, as the reason why I don't I don't want them to win um, a major tournament. And it's not because of the players, because it would be very hypocritical of me to say I don't want Marcus Rashford to have success because I support Manchester United. I go over to Manchester quite regularly. I love it over there. I love the people that I meet. I have family that are from England. My whole thing was about the English media, was about not that this whole 55 years waiting for a tournament. I've said it before and I'll say it again. We still celebrate the fact we got to a World Cup quarterfinal 31 years ago. So I can understand that. But my first soccer memory was World Cup 98. And as a Manchester United fan, seeing the treatment of David Beckham with hanging effigies and, and different things like that from fans 
was was very hard to take as a young chap. I was only about nine or ten. It was it was like you needing police escorts for the game against West Ham for the first game. Seeing those things always stuck in my mind, and seeing the way the media treated the players over the years with Wayne Rooney and different jokes about you know his affairs and Raheem Sterling with the whole gun controversy being tattooed, and it's just the way it can switch. And that was always my gripe, that they will big you up and they will tear you down. And um, that's one of the biggest reasons why I was hoping that they wouldn't win, hoping that maybe it was something to stick to them. Now, I don't know your thought process on it, and I'd like to get into the Germany thing in just a second, but what would your thought process be on that? I, I understand that, and I've read your article, and you've backed up your argument. That's the first point. I found especially in the run-up to the final, a lot of commentary from Ireland was almost people trawling around for an excuse not to shout for England, or, or to sh- I'd rather put that to shout against England. Yeah. And I've had a lot of conversations with friends, friends of mine about this. It's because we're so swept up in uh, the Premier League, etc. We're so close to them geographically and our history. But we were basically inserting ourselves in a story that had nothing to do with us. It was We wanted to be involved in the final, and the way we could do that is to shout against England. That would be my thought. Um, I think the media thing, I have friends, and if you've ever listened to our podcast, they're regular contributors and co-hosts, myself. Um, uh, for example, a co-host, Taylor Gill, he's 30 years old. He's never known England to win anything or do anything in a tournament except go out um, at most at a quarterfinal stage. So if you're if you're someone of my age, we would have grown up with the golden generation, Lampard, etc., and the media hype around that. But for those who came after, that's not the case. They've grown up with heartache. Now, there's not too many uh, violins being played about that in Ireland. <laughs> but, but it's this... The whole coming home thing, I said it at the time in 2018, that was firmly tongue-in-cheek among football people. It was very much like, when it's not coming home, because it never has come home. In our lifetimes, it's been whatever it was then, 50 years since we've been in a final. That was all a bit of fun that gathered momentum the further England went in the tournament. And you remember, they went to the semi-finals. So I do appreciate the media, particularly the tabloid media, gets really um, carried away and it's kind of gutter gutter journalism. You remember ahead of the semi-final, it was like, uh, it's England and Italy in the final uh, in small print if we get past Denmark, this kind of thing. Yeah, That kind of thing doesn't sit well. But I'll go back to, to what I said just, just off air to you. Is that I, the argument of Irish people saying, could you imagine if they win, we'd never hear the end of it in their media. <laughs> we choose... We choose to watch British media and read their newspapers and watch BBC and their analysis. We choose to do that. So it's on us if we don't like it when they get jingoistic and behind their own team. So I don't, I don't buy that argument too much uh, that it's the sole reason. I can understand you, for example, as a journalist saying, I, I, don't, I don't want them to win for that aspect. But for other people to say it's the sole aspect, like, right, don't watch BBC, don't read The Guardian, uh, don't watch Sky Sports News, because that's, that's their channel. And we would, 
we would get uh, carried away if it was our team. Perhaps not to the same extent, I'll grant you that. <laughs> well, that's what I... And it's a very fair argument, because when you said it to me, I was like, no, that that that's quite... And I was trying to think of, well, you know, we don't have the Premier League being shown on our national broadcast anymore, and then it kind of reverted back in my head, going, well, why am I supporting this? And it's a very fair argument. But I wanted to bring it back then to the Germany thing, because you worked in Germany when they had that ascendancy, and it was somewhat similar in the sense that there may be a generation of people that never experienced Germany winning a World Cup um, when they won it in 2004. Now, you, w- w- like, working in the media at that time, would you have noticed the same type of, I don't know, uh, uh, ego, or I, I don't know if that's the right word, but would no. you have noticed that within Germany? No, there's not the jingoism and the uh, almost uh, flag-waving waving Brexitism, if you like. Um, there wasn't, but I would say... <laughs> Germans being Germans didn't get excited until they got to the semi-finals. <laughs> I, remember, I remember the day of the semi-final. I was in work and I, it was in the morning. I said to a colleague, are you looking forward to the, to the game later? And he said, well, it's quite a ways away yet. <laughs> you know, the morning of the, if that was Ireland, I, I wouldn't have been in work. I guarantee you that. So I think it's very much a cultural difference. Yeah, well, that's what I'm saying. Like, no one would ever begrudge, say, Germany winning a World Cup or begrudge France winning a World Cup or anything like that. It just, I don't know, maybe the the historical, you know, the the the, the nature between the two countries of Ireland and England just historically doesn't bode well when we see them be successful. Uh, I, I know a lot of people that took immense pride about the fact that they got no points in the Eurovision. But... Uh, <laughs> But is that still at play then, do you reckon, between the Irish people, looking back on the history between the two countries? Of course it is. Look, we're a former colony. Of course it is. Even your piece ended with that and the 800 years. And I'm one, I will say that as a joke every chance I get as well. But, but, the Republic of Ireland has been independent for 100 years. (laughs) You know, like, at what stage do we kind of not get over it, but at what stage does that, is that the sole reason for not wanting their football team to win? If, the, if it is, if that's your sole reason, say all it. well and good. That, say it, say it. That's your argument. Shane, you've made a, a good argument about the media. My own brother made a good argument that he didn't want the type of Gurrier fans we saw last week. He didn't want the team to win because he didn't want them to be rewarded. That's also a fair point. But this idea of it, well, it's England, does anyone but England for the sake of it, I think it's, I think we need to grow up a little bit. I have to say, looking at it from here, it comes across as a little bit pathetic. And I don't mind saying that. Like, I think there was, it was addressed on prime time. There was phone-ins to, to Joe Duffy about this. It's like, really? Is, is this what we've... Again, we're, I go back to we're inserting ourselves into a story that had nothing to do with us. Fair enough, uh, don't actively um, shout for them, but I don't think it's a reason to actively shout against them um, with that kind of hyper- hypocritical nature that you you wrote, uh, raised that in a couple of weeks we'll be cheering for them when they're in their club shirt. That's my view, and I know plenty disagree with that. No, that's fair enough, and I love getting different perspectives of it because I was talking to Brian Redmond, who was filling in on KCLR lunch, and I just said he was shouting for England because he wants a job at the BBC on Strictly Come Dancing. So I, I, I caught him out on that one. But no, it's great to get different perspectives. It's great having a different um, side of things on stuff. In regards to just reverting back to 
the Gurrier fans that you mentioned. And I'd like to get a different perspective on it because in the day of social media and the age of social media, you see a video and then you tend to tarnish everybody with the same brush. You living in London, you experiencing it, I don't know whether you're around the match day atmosphere or not. Um, was that pretty prevalent or was it kind of a bit more overblown in uh, the social media age that we live in? It definitely wasn't overblown. Um, and the videos that you saw, I read something just today about what happened in Wembley and like it's kind of disgraceful stuff like um, disabled fans being pulled out of doors or uh, being snuck in behind in a turnstile one person threatened with being stabbed if they didn't allow this person to come in with them open use of drugs in the stadium I mean it was it was what you saw and worse but where I watched it now I wasn't at the stadium where I watched it I didn't see any of that I will say like the game kicked off at eight o'clock and there were people drinking from very early in the morning. And so, you know, there's only, that's only going to go one way. That's downhill as the the course of the day goes on. And we, we shouldn't tar all English fans uh, with the same brush on that. And I know that plus the uh, abuse leveled at the three players in the aftermath um, has soured it for many genuine England fans. That has really, what should have been a day of celebration and, and pride really has been soured. And um, I don't think that should be overlooked, that the genuine English football fan was appalled by what they saw. They may have been appalled by the fans' behaviour, but is there hope now, considering they got to the World Cup semi-final, they got to the final of the Euros, Qatar is, is, is not that far away when uh, all things considered. Is there yeah. hope now that they can push on here and, and bring it home, as they would say? Well, look, as an as a outsider, if we can say that, if we're to look at it objectively, they'd have a chance now. They're semi-finalists in 2018, uh, finalists in the European Championships. You'd have to put them as favourites um, to reach the latter stages again. Why wouldn't they? They've got some great young players like Sterling, like Saka, some very young players, Foden, who are only going to get better. Um, only one team can win the World Cup. They'll, of course, they'll fancy their chances, but um, look, they're in a much better, healthier position than Ireland is. Let's put it like that. <laughs> I can assure you of that. Speaking of uh, Irish soccer, uh, when is the new edition of Paul McGall coming out? We know that you've just released your sixth edition. Thank you very much for sending it here into the studios. It was a fantastic read. Um, we're looking very much forward to reading the seventh one. When can we expect that to come out? Well, we're actually uh, compiling issue seven now. Normally, we, we, we kind of produce one a year, but we're really hoping to get um, to up that. And we're hoping to have one out in the autumn. So we're gathering content now. We've got some returns of issue six, if anyone didn't get their hands on them. We have some new uh, availability for online orders. But yeah, in autumn, we hope to have a second edition this year, which will be a, a first for us to have one um, so quickly after the last one. And the, po- and the podcast itself is create- generating content all the time. The website in itself, some fantastic uh, articles and the artwork is, is, you know, we were blown away by it in here. But we're very much looking forward to seeing it. Having you back on air, hopefully uh, we won't be at Qatar 2022. Hopefully we'll be speaking to you a lot more before then. But at that stage, I'm still going to stick to my guns and hope that they don't win. <laughs> I... I will won't be disappointed if they don't win. <laughs> <laughs> Thank <laughs> you.
boxing up next with Ollie O'Neill. No better man to talk about it. Yeah, Shane, yeah. We, we, we had a, a meeting there Tuesday in Paulstown, the Lee County Carroll County Board. Um, we elected a new committee because uh, the outgoing committee, uh, Mark Sheridan was secretary and John Janicki has been after that for 14 years. And I suppose he's going to help out more with the Callum Box Club now. So he actually wished to step down. And Mark is heading out in October, I think, out with the Irish Army out to Lebanon. But he, he hopes to stay involved with the boxing as well, Shane. So, you know, when he comes back. so And John is going to stay a referee and stuff like that as well. So we have a new committee and, and uh, you know, it's great. Fresh ideas as well. But, you know, but the boys don't great work in fairness, Shane. And uh, we're really delighted for him. Yeah, that's great. That's fantastic to hear. In in, in terms of boxing in Kilkelly and Carlo, what what what's the lay of the land now? What's it looking like? I see that you know there there is training going on, but is it still kind of albeit at restricted um, levels? Yeah, we're we're very restricted in one way, Shane, because we have no competition as such. And in regards sparring and training, it's mostly outside chain. And uh, look, we we have the ball going out again strong. Uh, you know, we're, we're going to be ready, Shane. When the boxes are back, we're going to be ready. We're hoping now with all these, you know, the vaccines and stuff, it will help great for the boxing. And, you know, down the road, we're thinking, well, sure, if, if, if you know, people get vaccinated and the, the younger cohort get vaccinated, we'll have competitions going. We're hoping possibly for Christmas, Shane. And, uh, you know, down the road, we'll, we are, our clubs are in the Eastern Car board, board will be ready, we hope. And, uh, you know, it's all going well. And, but there's no committee now. I, I suppose I better mention it to you, to you, Shane, if you don't mind, just who they are and what clubs they're from. You know, for the three counties, it's a good spread. We have uh, Ray Lawless from Port Lee's Box Club. He's been involved in boxing a long, long time. And he's chairman. And we have Pat Stokes from Orlingford. He's the coach of, head coach in Orlingford Box Club. And we have Katrina West, secretary of... Uh, of the county board now with new secretary for our first female um, uh, part of the board I think for I don't can't remember for many years now in taking a major job anyway and we have Willie Butler Mavisi uh, assistant secretary and treasurer we have Andy Larkin from Carlow IT Boxing Club and uh, assistant secretary will be Christy Shockersy from St. Patrick's Box Club in the Kenny Shane so we have a good spread over the three counties and we hope these people now we know these people will represent us fairly with all, right through all the boards through the Leinster Council and, and the Irish Amateur Boxing Association. We get fair representation with these people. And Mark Sheridan said when he comes back from the Lebanon he will be uh, county board representative at the Leinster Council meetings and stuff. So, you know, and I, I'm continuing on as PRO. So I, I feel we have a good strong board, Shane, you know. That's great to hear. In, in- what I'm, I'm a bit worried about is that you mentioned competitions hoping to come back before Christmas, but I don't know. Like it, it, judging by yeah, some news been been spread, would you be worried about being curtailed once again? We will, Shane. Yeah, we would be very worried. We're all worried about it, but we should look. You have to be optimistic here, and when you look at the population, the, the major part of the population is have to get the vaccine now, Shane. We're hoping, with the younger grade, you know, the younger grade gets it. Uh, from you know, eighteen up to thirty or something at the moment now, and it's going, it's going to go back down the board. There would be a lot of work done, I think, in my own opinion, in the next couple of months, 
by the health boards and, and by the chemists and all doing all the vaccinations. And they're doing great work, Shane. And I think people don't appreciate how much, how good these people are putting. But they're just on the line helping everyone and getting the sports going. I think they're fantastic people. So we just have to battle on. And our, oh yeah, our board, Shane, we, we just like to wish our seven boxers in the, in the Olympics in Tokyo all the best. Uh, they're, they're very, very good boxers. Brendan Irwin, Kurt Walker, Emmett Brennan, and uh, a family duo of Aidan Welch and Michaela Welch. They are, uh, that is history, Shane. Brother and sister qualifying for the Olympics. And you have Eva Hennigan from, up from the West and Kelly Harrington, former world champion. So I think we're in a great chance to get medals. Yeah, I was just about to say to you, like, Aoife O'Rourke, European Championship goal in 2019. Uh, you, of course, you mentioned uh, uh, the two Walshes as well. There's, uh, there's, Is there strong belief amongst the boxing community that we can come away with some prizes? Well, I think it's a shame. I personally, myself, I, I, I'm first confident. You know, you get bad decisions, of course. You, you know, go back to Michael Collins. You know, I know we shouldn't be doing that, but... But, you know, being optimistic about it. Brendan Urban is after boxing a couple of Olympics. Kurt Walker, Olympic, he was a European Games champion. And, excuse me, no. And the Welch's brothers. Michaela was uh, in the Commonwealth Games. She was silver medalist in the Commonwealth Games. Kelly Hamilton, far world champion. And Kelly will be well-seeded now, Shane, because she won, she got gold in, in the Olympic quali- in her Olympic qualifying tournament. So she'll be the top seed, I think. Which means a lot, Shane, when you're going into, into a major competition. You get the, what's it, there's no weaker side of the draw, but you won't be doing it again a world champion, first, the first draw, you know, or again an Olympic champion, or European champion. You'd be hoping it wouldn't be anyway, you know. Usually with the seed process. And you, you've, kind, you've kind of been in that Olympic kind of circle and you've been you've been there uh, before. Like, what what can the, these boxers expect? Now, obviously, it's going to be a lot different this year. We know Japan has been fairly ravaged over the past while with the pandemic. What can these athletes expect when they go in? What is their lifestyle going to be like from now? Because we know Marcus Lawler, say, from an athletics point of view, has flown over there. Kleena Manning has flown over there. And Sam Watson, from a Carlo point of view, equestrian, flown over there. What can these people expect when they land? Like, what's the training Regiment, like what is well, things handed to them? Like, well, how does it work? Well, you've been on public chain, and that at the moment, I, 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 I was on Facebook with some of the boys already, you know, and my brother, a few of them, are, and you see them on Facebook, they're, they're in their own camp now. And uh, I was actually talking to Billy Welch last week, twice, and uh, he, you know, he's with the USA team now, and they are, he was with Zorantia. And Eddie Bulger, they're all, Eddie's with with the German team, and Zara's trained the Irish team. So they're all in their own little bubbles together. But, you know, they're, they're, they are a very competitive, these are very experienced coaches, Shane. They've been through all this. I've been in European Champions, I've been at World Champions with all these guys. They are very, very experienced, and they'll have the boxers right. The boxers, they'll be in their own bubbles. They'll have their own sparring partners from different countries, now even now at the moment. They will be qualifying... Usually the way the process works, Shane, if you have a middleweight, but say, and say Germany is a light heavyweight, so they won't be meeting one another. So you'll be helping each other out doing the best sparring and stuff over there at the moment. That's what they'll be doing. They keep them going until the game will start. So, you know, it'll be great preparation, I think. You need a better look, of course. That's the one thing, Shane. And so you know that through so your own sports soccer and, and the GA and everything. You don't get to look at it at all. But I think Ireland are in a very good chance. We have a great boxing team. I think there's a great boxing team going over there. 
and they're great people love them as well. Finally, we have Jamie Cummins from JC Urban Fitness talking all things, well, fitness and his business, JC Urban Fitness. Thanks for having me, Shane. Really appreciate that. Jamie, we, I, I, I've known you. You've worked in the watershed for, for a long time. Um, I, I, watershed would be my gym where I'd go. Um, you know, so if anyone ever wants an autograph, that's, <laughs> <laughs> that's where I'll be. But uh, I, I've seen you in various states in terms of physicality. You've seen me in various states in physicality. I fluctuate in weight. I've been 20 stone. I've been 13 and a half stone in my adult life now. I'm currently on the downward trajectory after a tough lockdown and you have shot up and you've shot down and you're a man that has experience when it comes to getting yourself physically better. So starting the business, JC Urban Fitness, must having that pedigree behind you must be uh, an advantage. Yeah, no, it definitely has. Um, like I said, being there, done that, worn a t-shirt. Um, now the t-shirt fits better. The t-shirt fits a little <laughs> bit looser. Yeah, yeah, a little bit looser, a little bit better. But um, yeah, no, um, true, probably early 20s and mid-20s, I shot up. Um, and a lot to do with diet, obviously, um, and not really caring about the physical side of things. So going to the gym, doing your bits, keeping fit. And had a little bit too much fun yeah. uh, and ended up ballooning. But when I started realising that, uh, my physical health was dropping a lot. Uh, my mental health was suffering because of it as well. Um, I realised I needed to do a bit of a change. Um, so I started doing bits and pieces myself. I had been around the fitness industry a lot, obviously in the watershed and stuff like that. So I had a good idea, but I was never massively educated on the say the diet side of things or because you would have been on the swimming side of things as well being a lifeguard as well exactly yeah 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 yeah. and being heavy and being a lifeguard doesn't (laughs) go together either (laughs) let me tell you but um yeah no um and then i started just educating myself man i um i went and done a couple courses done a gym instructor course pt i'm in the middle of a strength conditioning course at the moment as well and through doing that i changed my own body composition my own health my own everything you know what i mean um so yeah, no, and and from that then I realised well now I could do this with other people, yeah, um, and obviously had the background in swimming and decided to go head first into the business. Um, left where I was and opened up JC Urban Fitness, which has been going close to a year now. Yeah, well, close to a year now. So you've opened it up during the pandemic. So that's yeah. a, that's an extremely difficult thing to do, and it's a very competitive market to say the least. Massively. Um, so did you open it up in these Zoom classes and uh, you didn't get to have that one-to-one interaction where you establish a rapport and a relationship with someone uh, on a face-to-face basis? Yeah, well, but what I had first was I I started off basically a little bit on the side myself. So I, I purchased equipment for myself and then I found a little niche at the start where I would bring the gym to people rather than people coming to me. Um, so I started off with a few bits and pieces of kit out of van and stuff like that. Um, got a client base, you know, started off nice and small and got regular uh, meetings with these clients and started obviously helping them. So I was going to their houses, doing all that, making a personal touch. Obviously, we we all know when you're physically not in good shape, the last thing you want to do is go into a gym where everybody seems to be in physically great shape. Yeah, I, I was going, asking someone to go to the gym with me one time and they said, I won't go to the gym until I get fit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> and, and I relate to that. Yeah, I can definitely <laughs> relate to that. But um, I found that me 
bringing it to them, them being in their own personal space, their home, even in a shed. I was in a barn at one stage doing workouts with people. Yeah, absolutely. Farm strength is a real thing. Oh, though. definitely. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, yeah, no. And then obviously COVID hit and it kind of shook my business a little bit. Uh, I went online and like you said, the personal touch has gone from Zoom. Um, anybody that's been in a Zoom meeting or anybody doing a course now, it's all over Zoom. It's just not that personal touches a little bit off, and especially when you're trying to do exercises, you're very uh, kind of structured around what equipment they had. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean. So you had to re and again, no, it challenged me on that side of things. So I had to get smart. We'd use chairs or tables and stuff like that. Use the floor a lot more. Use our body weight rather than equipment um, bands, all that kind of stuff. So yeah, it pushed me a little bit more. And then obviously I had to change and curve my business a little bit. So I've gone into now having my own studio my own space for people to come to me um, which I think is it helps a lot as far as COVID because I don't think people want an outsider coming into their homes yeah, and stuff like that with equipment so um, yeah so I, I have the studio going at the moment I have bigger equipment coming in and I'm looking to do exactly the same as what I was before the lockdown here before COVID hit is have somebody come into a private studio in their own space where they're comfortable um, and, and do what they need to do for themselves and getting to a point where they're happy. And where is the studio base then? So is it is it fully because we know since was it June seventh everything yeah. got to open up. So have you been open as of June seventh, or is this something now that is coming no, into its ascendancy? It's developed, now? yeah, no, it's developed from um, from doing. I was doing corporate classes, online zooms and stuff like that, and through one of the business I was doing away. Uh, uh, a room was available in one of the buildings they had, so I'm in Dean's Gate House on Dean Street, um, which is a part of St Patrick's Centre. Um, so I have a room in there that I'm kitting out and stuff like that um, and again people are coming to me so yeah through Zoom and changing what I was doing I actually ended up benefiting from it on the long term as well you know it's interesting when you talked about that your your physical well-being was uh, negatively being affected by whatever you were putting into your body and that correlated with the mental uh, well-being as massively, well massively yeah no, I was, yeah. We, and I know a lot of people like there is a, a correlation what I found when the gyms open back up like I uh, I was in a situation where I, I, I wasn't particularly happy with with what was my surroundings and then the gym opened up and the world seemed to open up and I remember skipping home one day listening to tunes in my ear just after coming out doing a yeah, doing a chest workout like definitely do you know what it is it's it's like you said you're surrounded expect people got really really tough time over lockdown and stuff like that and even the couple of people that I was doing online, as much as it was distant and it was you're staring at a screen and somebody telling you to do, you know, one more push up or yeah. blah, 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 you still have that sense of achievement. You get the endorphin after doing your workout, you know, you're proud of what you've done. And sometimes just turning on that screen and having me there saying, right, let's go, we're going to work hard for 50 minutes or 45 minutes, whatever it was, like that's hard. That's really hard for some people. And to be able to do that and get through whatever I had ready for them. And by the end of it, then even like sometimes I get look, I I really don't want to do this today. And I'm like, well, you've you've turned on the screen, you have me here, so you've done the hardest part. Because like motivation is a big thing, but discipline, I believe, might be a bit bigger. Because some days you mightn't be motivated, but you have to be disciplined enough to do it. I say it to all my clients: the days that you're feeling like you don't want to do it, the days where you just want to stay at home and curl under the bed. I've been there, um, and I've done it. I've stayed at home, and in the long run, you get. Like you said, that routine starts to happen. But if your routine is not doing what you're, you know, not doing your little bit, change your routine. And people, people, really, their their mindsets change initially. Once their mindsets change, you get that good routine of turning up. 
even on the bad days, the most important ones is turning up on the bad days. And then getting that routine where you're actually turning up, even when you don't want to. You just have a rhythm going. And then in the long run, things start changing. Your mindset changes. You know, you get happier. Like I said, you're skipping home afterwards. Yeah. You've done your thing. You're proud of what you've done. Even if it's just turning up and doing 20 minutes or 10 minutes or even going for a walk or whatever it is. Well, it's interesting that you mentioned routine as well, because I, I, I think I've been someone that has been fairly... I, I get stuck in a routine in the sense that I'm in the gym and I know what I want to do and I know what I enjoy and I you can that that can happen to people even if you're still going to the gym that you're not necessarily always pushing yourself so you're going there and fair enough you're still working out um but like I like my chest press and I like my incline press and yeah. that's what I'll do on chest day you know what I mean as yeah, opposed yeah, to been yeah. like trying as you were mentioning body weight stuff which different stuff yeah yeah so it like there is a there is something to be said for challenging yourself consistently, even when you are training. Oh, absolutely! Already. But it's all—it's all about—it's all about challenging yourself. Like you, your body adapts. So when you're when you've started, say, if I if I design a program for you, and you're you're literally starting on day one, week one. By the time you go to kind of say, if you're doing three days a week, by the time you get to day three, week four, your body has started to adapt to what you've been doing. So generally, you're not working as hard as you were on day one, week one. Because you've been doing the same things, so your body's adapting. So you need to change up what you've been doing. It's called progressive overload. So whether it's a cardio thing or whether it's resistance training or whatever like that, you need to change up. So your body starts to adapt generally around four weeks, four to six weeks. It kind of changes from person to person. But you need to be regularly changing it up, whether it's lifting heavier, shorter rests. You know, if it's cardio, a little bit longer, maybe do stages where a little bit quicker, intervals, stuff like that. And then you can, you know, and from there, and little by little, again, four weeks is a long time. So you're like, you're doing a good bit and then, you know, you're adapting. So you're not pushing yourself too hard too quickly. But then you start realizing, wait now, I'm six weeks in. I was doing that six weeks ago, which felt like a lot then. But now look what I'm doing. It's a warm up. Six to eight weeks yeah. there. It's my warm up, like you said. Yeah. But when you're talking about overloading as well, I, 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 know, I know friends that are guilty of this and they've gotten themselves injured. I know I'm guilty of this and it's still continually out. You can become somewhat obsessive about it, especially when, if you have uh, body image issues and if, you, like if, myself, you, yeah. if you've been on that upper scale, you've become quite obsessive over it. And you can, the days that you do need R&R, you don't generally take because you'd be like, oh no, I need to be on doing something. Or you can't, you can't sit back and relax and enjoy the fruits of your labor somewhat. Yeah, yeah. Without going, I should be out there doing a doing a walk, or I should be yeah. out there doing a run. And that's, that's the, where the mental aspect of it comes in. It is, it is. And I, and again, what people don't realize is that after you do a workout, you need to let your body recover. You know what I mean? You need to let your body work through what you've just put it through, recover, and then so time off is just as important as is doing the workouts and stuff like that. Again, if you're working out five days a week or whatever it is, an hour each day or whatever it is, you need to give yourself at least two days rest to recover, to let your muscles recover from doing what you've been doing and then you get back into it again. And what you'll find is and even sleep is a massive part of it as well. So those things correlating together really help. Rest is just as important. And nutrition. As and nutrition, well. nutrition is about 8%, especially if you're trying to lose body weight you're talking about body composition and and stuff like that like your diet is 80 percent. it's 80 percent of what you're eating and 20 percent of what you're doing so and so from a jc urban fitness point of view do you encompass all that kind of stuff is it just on the on the physical training aspect are you looking at nutrition or are you looking at yeah, uh, so mental aspect first thing i'll say is I'm, I'm not a nutrition but i'm trained enough to look at somebody's diet and let them know i analyze diets rather than like i'm not going to come in and 
you need to weigh this and eat this and blah blah blah, blah. I I am mainly on the the training side of things, but I can look. I get people a bit generally when someone comes in and does a six to eight week program. I get them to do a week of a food diary, so I see what they're going, what they're eating, how much they're eating, all that kind of stuff. And then you can obviously you have big triggers or something, kind of ease off on that, you know, stuff like that. The twelve points on a Saturday night, uh, maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe yeah. nine. But you know what? A lot of people that come to me have gotten a really bad routine over a long long time if you come in if somebody comes to me and say look I want to lose weight blah blah and I look at their diet like you said you have those 12 points every weekend or whatever <laughs> it is like if you realistically go and tell somebody you can't have those 12 points every weekend yeah. they're going to go yeah whatever and they'll go <laughs> and they'll go and have their 12 points anyway and it'll show on their scale anyway. but if you say to if it's you coming to me and said to have 12 points enjoy your points but try and have 10 maybe <laughs> you know what I mean and then after a couple of weeks right let's try to have 8 yeah you know so a gradual change is going to last longer over time than shocking somebody and saying right going cold to. turkey exactly on it the does, chocolate and it works for some people and it's very small amount I've tried it myself um, yes you get great results is it long lasting? No. Yeah, because you know uh, I mean? uh, someone else who we've had in here regularly was Neil Gunnan, and he's been on a huge fitness journey himself, and Massive, he's, he's yeah. ballooned in weight and dropped it, and then ballooned again and dropped it. And the first time he did it, he did it on a liquid diet, which was like a fad diet. And then yeah, he trained and, and I remember him doing that, and he got mm. in great shape, but it's not sustainable. It's yeah. not sustainable. You can't sustain so it. So he had to go again, and then yeah. he lost it all again, yeah, which yeah, is amazing. Yeah. Uh, Jamie. You're part of uh, the the proud Cummins family, which have a huge sporting heritage here in Kilkenny. From Paul Cummins on the martial arts side, we know the Kilkenny Storm hockey side as well. There's a lot going on within your family, and yeah, a, yeah. a huge contribution to the health and well-being of so many people, so many youths, so many adults over the years. And uh, we'd like to thank your family first of all for that. <laughs> uh, you know, hopefully Paul will organise a few kickboxing nights as well for me to be able to commentate on. But uh, uh, yeah, where can we find you uh, online? So I'm in. Instagram and Facebook, JC Urban Fitness on both. Um, if you're looking for a one-to-one or whatever it is, um, you can DM me or you can contact me on my phone, which is 087-288-4301. That's it from Scoreline Extra. I've been Shane O'Keefe. You can catch the show every weekend from 2 to 6. Absolutely jam-packed as always. Until then, stay safe, stay sane.